Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. Today, I'm in Sarasota, Florida, and I'm happy to be back at the Moat Marine Laboratory and Aquarium. Your listeners may know one of the very first podcast episodes was Kim Hall way back when. She'd go back and listen to that as one of my favorites. So I got a hold of the Moat Aquarium, and I, I'm here talking with Dr. Tracy Finara, who's joining me. And this is so exciting because I reached out. I had no idea. I kind of stay away from the news. I try to stay away from screens in general, if I can. I've been trying to cut them out of my life. And I didn't know about this national news with this red tide coming in. And I just reached out to Moat and they just assumed I was, I was calling to talk about that. And, uh, and I just serendipitously happened to be here. And you, the listener, will get to hear all about this stuff making national news coverage. And of course, on the show, we'll get to get a little more in depth than, uh, than just the little 30 second highlight you hear on, on most of the news organizations. But, uh, uh, for now, Tracy, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. And can you tell us, can you tell me and, and the listeners a little bit about your role here and what you do and, and, um, maybe a bit of your background as well? Because I saw, uh, within there something I wanted to ask you about. Your background includes storm chasing at some point. Yes. That's exciting. And I want to hear about that too. So, so introduce yourself. So I am a scientist and environmental engineer. I got my BS, ME, and PhD from the University of Florida uh, in environmental engineering doing hydrological restoration, which is stormwater treatment and design, basically promoting infiltration, recharge a groundwater table, uh, biological, chemical, and physical degradation of pollutants uh, prior to going to a natural water body. Like traditionally, uh, systems have been developed to prevent from flooding. So a lot of uh, directly connected impervious surfaces, which means that, um, you know, rain falls, it goes from your roof to your driveway into a gutter and then into mm-hmm. a pipe system. And there's no chance for treatment whatsoever. It runs off super fast. Um, so you get that high peak, you get have right. erosion. I, uh, I, I lived on, uh, on the Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu for, uh, for a couple of years and I loved going in the ocean and they'd always warn you kind of to stay away from going into the ocean right after a rainfall. Right. So if you're really close to the water like that, you have very little choice unless they implement low impact development. Um, so like for that, it would be more like a stormwater vault or some kind of infiltration trench or something like that. So basically my role was to take um, Alachua County and, and model and retrofit what could be to try to get that hydrology uh surface and and sur- surficial so everything underneath the ground um to where it was pre-development so basically the the ground and the hydrology would be as if no one built there um and i was actually able to do it up to 90 percent uh and the biggest uh uh, parameter that was important was disconnection, just disconnecting from those impervious surfaces um, to something like a, a swell, rain garden, grass in general. So um, through that, for my master's, I, I was a storm chaser. But it's not the kind of storm chaser that it's not as cool. I didn't look for tornadoes. I mean, I would be pretty bored if I was looking for tornadoes in Florida. <laughs> um, didn't look for tornadoes. Well, I'm out of here then. I saw yeah, t- I just wanted to hear I about know, tornadoes. I know. It was hurricanes, though. <laughs> St- tropical storms. All right. All right. Went, I'm back on board. Went for those. Yep. Because okay. I wanted to see um, how well a certain uh, filter media removed uh, fossil what, what's that, a filter media? Yeah, so like, uh, so what this was was concrete uh, that was treated with aluminum oxide, but filter media can be a number of things. Like I have some in my office right now that's recycled rubber that they treated with, with different, um, different polar uh, chemicals to try to, you know, grab those polar compounds from stormwater and remove them from from your surface water, uh, making the water more clean on its way downstream. Hmm. 
So this must be, I mean, what a what a terrific field uh, to be a part of right now because this is uh, humanity is is becoming a bit more aware of of some of the issues and some of the costs uh, done by the increase in modern civilization and different yeah. technologies and different agricultural practices and and uh, this is I, I I'm uh, I'm from a kind of a smallish town outside of a little city in uh named lacrosse wisconsin and and my my parents are from my my dad is from uh new Elben, iowa which is a town of like 300 people or something like that i don't know but i think it was maybe a little bigger when he was growing up but he he'd always drive me by like oh here's where the old dump was everyone <laughs> would just go and dump all of their stuff and they have all this wonderful you know it's by the mississippi and all this swamp land and oh, they wow. were just completely yeah, oblivious to the it's... and that's the way it was for a very long time and and now we're starting to learn a little better Yes, we are, but we're also growing. Uh, urbanization is growing. Right. Our population is growing. So there's this constant struggle between environment and economics. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that we're dealing with here in Florida. I mean, we get so much rainfall uh, in Florida, but but at the same time, we're running out of drinking water in a lot of places because of how we're handling our water. Um, and then, you know, of course, we're getting things like algae blooms, like cyan- freshwater cyanobacteria blooms that are a direct response of the ecosystem to high amounts of, of uh, nutrients in the runoff. It could be from biogenic material, but it's also from from fertilizer and from changing uh, the the water cycle and the hydro hydrologic fraction from groundwater to Hi- surface water. Hi- what's that word? Hydro. Um, it just means. Uh, it sounded part, real yeah. fancy. So, you didn't think I was going to ask for more details, did you? So, I was just going to let that one float right by. Yeah. Okay, so water. The same amount that was here. <laughs> Wait, what is this stuff, <laughs> <Yeah>. water? <laughs> Hydrogen. And, no, okay. um, the same amount that that is here today was here a million years ago. You know, it's a, you might have drank the same drop of water that, that George Washington did. Gross. Yeah. So, so when I tell kids, I'm like, isn't that cool? And they're like, ew. I'm like, well, that's the way the world works. Um, but yeah, hopefully, I mean, you could have drank the Hitler water too, though. So right. It's not I like, don't you know, tend to bring, <laughs> they tend to find me anyway. So, uh, <laughs> maybe not the best. <laughs> I already have Red Tide to deal with. <laughs> What? Well, I mean, it was just like such a weird as 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 Stephanie, the communications director, is like panicking. Over you guys gotta there. see how like, red his face is right now. It's I well, I did. I wanted to see the look on your face when I said that, and now the look on my face is much way better. Was, way better. I think you win this one. I was, I was, I mean, it's just like, that's such a, that's such a little kid thing to do, right, like, right. The, of this very, uh, but there's all, like, I don't know, whatever. It's like all sorts of bacterias run through the water right. and everything right. else. Right. I don't know. I just, I like your silly George Washington <laughs> reference. <laughs> okay, My so, face hasn't been this red in a long time. I really gotta well, stop. I feel pretty special. I, I really gotta stop. <laughs> Dropping those those bombs on the, on the air. Anyway, we're having okay, so anyway. How much fun are we having right so now? Much fun. Be, be, yeah, be totally, totally. Okay. This is a nice break, honestly, from from the other interviews that we've done. Because we usually don't laugh when we're talking about work. Um, but okay, so for hydro hydrologic fraction. Right. So so the amount of water that used to be in our groundwater and the surficial aquifer in the in the in the deep aquifer it was substantially larger than that that runs off the surface but because of all of our building that we've done we've changed that fraction of water so we have more water running off the surface because it can't infiltrate into the ground because of our you know building pipe systems and everything like that so mm. so we changed the the water cycle so much um and so trying to fight with it to you know restore what was um to to kind of uh sustain the environment as we know it i mean it's really the only the only thing that we can do is we saw you know we were in a state of emergency because of two algae blooms um and i'll talk a little bit about um red tide but first you know because we are talking about stormwater and freshwater cyanobacteria blooms are direct response of that that fertilizer runoff that that change and shift in the hydrology 
um, we get these blue green algae, and you might have seen mm-hmm. it. It looked like jello, man. I didn't. I I just went down yesterday to the Keys, hoping I'd sneak a peek. I didn't see any anywhere. No. Maybe, maybe uh, you'll you'll have to point me in the right direction or something. So. Take yeah, a peek on my way out of town. Apparently, three weeks ago, it was like it was thick. Mm-hmm. Um, I went over to the Caloosahatchee on on Saturday, um, and I went into the little canalways, broke into someone's backyard, and I was giving a piece to camera because we were making a video, and I was talking about how people like it, this isn't just one; it's not just agriculture; it's not it's not commercial; it's each and every one of us. Um, yeah. Every time we put fertilizer on our lawn during a rainy season, people downstream are affected. You know, you might want your green lawn, but but why, for what? Are, uh, yeah, people's stupid green. I lawns. know. And the thing I is, I mean, I don't. I, I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things and problems to prioritize yeah. in life, and and you know whatever you got to pick your battles, I guess. Yep. But like, it, a, like who cares I about know. a green lawn? I've, I just never understood that. It's the number <laughs> one crop in America, and yeah. it produces nothing. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm not, you know, hating on our our traditional values at all, but it's just the tradition. At the same time, I see what these people downstream are dealing with now. I mean, it doesn't take much. uh, This is this is uh, we we love talking about the ecosystem on the show, and this is going to be such a great episode. But I, you know, I I watch. uh, uh, Fortunately. you know, even animal documentaries and things like Planet Earth and whatnot are are, are working toward educating people. And I was watching. Uh, there's the new Planet Earth two came out recently, and there was a there was a C episode uh, where there was it was uh, the the underwater like kelp or something like that 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 basically like makes a ocean forest right. essentially, and then. Um, and then it and then it's just full of rich life and there's fish swimming around and just all sorts of life is nourished by this kelp and then the, there's sea urchins in there that eat the kelp and and there's turtles that eat the sea urchins and there's this delicate little balance and blah 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 and then people were hunting turtles for some amount of time and the sea urchin population got out of control ate all the kelp and then this became uh ocean desert where meaning there's like kind of no life no right. plant life happening there or very little of it and now it's no longer this fr- flourishing ecosystem and then you know they they design a few laws and regulations which people sometimes don't like to hear about these are sometimes inconvenient and uh and you know no one likes being told what to do and you know right. too much government oversight or whatever but they you know they implement some regulations the the turtle population comes back starts eating some of the urchins the kelp or whatever it, it probably wasn't kelp i'm embarrassing myself right now but my face isn't red right now so right. i'm doing fine enough um <laughs> and and uh and and then this this flourishing life right uh comes back I mean, and and this is this this is good for everybody more more life is is in general uh good for anybody this flourishing ecosystem and this is i mean it's one thing to be like let's if we get rid of these these regulations look the Look at how good the turtle hunting business is right. doing. Man, it's right. doing terrific right now. And they'll point at that as as some statistic of economic growth rather right. than seeing the bigger picture. Right. And so this is some people is, call that optimism. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is uh, this is one of these things that, you know, again, I think this is very yeah. very new to humans yes. trying to really understand these the important small little because most yep. people wouldn't even know like turtle hunting was a thing, and, let alone that it made an impact. Right. And the amazing thing about Florida is that economics and health of the environment are directly connected. So there is no division between pol- politics. There's nothing mm-hmm. because everybody benefits when the environment is in good shape. Right. So that's why these these massive algae blooms are such a big deal. Yeah. And the thing is with these 
this specific situation in the Clusahatchee River where I was on Saturday. Um, have you heard about? I, I, no, I really, really want to get way into all the algae bloom stuff and all. This. So if, if you can please yeah. get into more and more detail, it'd be terrific. Yeah. So right now, I I really want to separate the two: uh, freshwater cyanobacteria and marine red tide. And right now, we're just focused on on freshwater cyanobacteria, and we'll get to red tide. Okay. Um. So down here, we have this big lake in the middle of of Florida it's called Lake Okeechobee and you've probably heard of that that's been that's been kind of the center of all this controversy and why this is making national news because why would somebody just cover an environmental issue it needs to have some kind of controversy right. attached to it so this is where this all comes from that's why you and I are going to have to fight before the end of the, right. of the podcast we need, uh, we need people We're watching get us into, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need some clickbait <laughs> Uh, yeah. Researcher punches podcast hosts <laughs> in the face. You should have seen some of the headlines. This, yeah, it's been it's been fun. Um, but so, well, whatever it takes yeah, to get. I mean, it takes right. Um, so, and it's funny because people can quote me the exact same way and right. put a different headline on it, and all of a sudden, people think that I'm saying something different. It's it's amazing. It's what I like about media. this podcast. This right. is going out just how the conversation right, happened. Right. Um, so historically in Florida, before before people got here, you know, the f- water used to run from Lake Okeechobee down to the Florida Everglades and out. So when settlers started coming here, they they put a big a big dam in um, because they wanted to start living on the land and and farming and building. So they basically what what people commonly referred to as drain the swamp but technically that's what they did they held back the water um, moving south so that people can start farming and building houses so as time moves on um i think it was 1928 that the dam broke and thousands of people died and so from that point on the federal government got involved the army corps of engineer their job was to prevent from flooding um, in these areas. So what they did was they created a system that back pumped water into Lake Okeechobee. When Lake Okeechobee gets to a certain level, it releases water to the west and to the east in the St. Lucie River and the Caloosahatchee River. Now, this is during time responding to times of, of heavy rainfall. Okay, so this happens every so often, and it just happened right before the freshwater cyanobacteria bloom. So when that happens, um, and their engineers, they did their job as engineers. They were supposed to prevent from flooding. Now, this is what happens when scientists and engineers don't really work together right. because that quality of water wasn't um, – that water wasn't given the detention time needed for biological, chemical, and physical degradation of pollutants and is released to St. Lucie and Caloosahatchee without – without treatment in addition to the flows that are coming from from the Caloosahatchee and and other watersheds from that the rainfall events that are occurring there too so you're getting these overflows along with increased surface water runoff from these watersheds so you're getting an influx of nutrients causing these algae blooms so that's where um that controversy comes from a lot of people are are pointing the finger at certain industries Sugar is the main one and um, that people are pointing to, which is interesting. Um, and the reason why, I think, is because years ago they promised to sell back a certain amount of land to the state of Florida uh, so that they can use that for Everglades restoration. Well, they, they took back their deal and only gave a very small percentage of what they said that they would. And I think that that's why people are really targeting them mm-hmm. because they want to restore the Everglades to have that water come south again. And right now that sugar industry is in the way mm-hmm. of doing that. The problem with restoring the Everglades in that way is that we've we've changed not only the, the water volume, but also the water quality. So if we have this high amount of phosphorus coming down into the Everglades, the Everglade ecosystem will change. The cattails will start out competing paraphyton, which is the base of the ecosystem, what makes the soil. And there's a lot of cyanobacteria in there too. And that's another thing I should probably say, cyanobacteria, umbrella term, so many species, some essential for life, and then others, you know, when when there's too much of a good thing, it becomes problematic. I don't know what cyanobacteria is. Okay, so it is, we get 70% of our oxygen from from phytoplankton, mm-hmm. um, there's a small amount that is that is harmful. Uh, cyanobacteria is a photosynthetic bacteria, so it kind of is on the um, cusp between 
bacteria and phytoplankton. It's I'm not a biologist for those kind of reasons, um, but I'm impressed. <laughs> But these uh, cyanobacteria, there's there's some marine species, there's freshwater species, uh, there's there's just a number, but a very small amount are, are harmful. One of those is called microcystis, and that's that's one of the species that was found in this cyanobacteria bloom that was in the Clusahatchee River, and it releases a toxin called microcystin. Uh, which can cause fish kills, which I don't know if you've seen the pictures of the massive fish kills that they've had um, in these freshwater bodies from this from this toxin. Um, so not only does th- do these algae blooms cover the ground, cover the surface of the water, uh, preventing photosynthesis to occur from anything underneath, um, but also releasing that toxin, killing those fish, which mm-hmm. then decrease the amount of oxygen available. It's just like this domino effect of negative negative things and and the crazy thing is you know a lot of people are calling nutrients like pollutants or toxins and they're not they're mm-hmm. they're nutrients that are essential for life but always too much of a good thing it has its consequences just like candy right yeah i quit eating candy like two months i have a real candy problem me too myself me too I have a real real candy issue so i quit so i'm doing my part on having less sugar right to for, for <laughs> you're doing your proper the, yeah yeah um, but, but this stuff is like so complicated and it nuanced is, and that I it know. is hard to get people's attention because then you have you know all of these dead fish show and you have like this apocalyptic scene and then people are like oh wait a second there's a problem and there there was a problem before that but there was yeah and now these people are living in canals have all this fish so they're playing flood insurance and high expense for living on water and now they have these dead fish and potential aerosolized toxins it's a it's a mess but um the big thing, like the reason why I started talking about sugar is because um, it's estimated that, that, and I don't know what the, the water quality, their, their nutrient load would look like, but um, as far as for per volume, they only contribute 2 to 5% of that overflow volume. Um, the rest comes from the north, uh, which is like Orlando and the whatever else is up there. Um, so, so that's interesting that people are targeting sugar. Um, for that now do i think that you know there needs to be stricter regulations on agriculture yes i think that they should adhere to the same uh kind of detention uh 100 year storm 50 year storm event that that other locations have to um they are pervious surface so your water is going to run off a lot slower but right now they have a choice whether to implement these best management practices or to monitor the amount of nutrients that are going into um, this water body uh, into Lake Okeechobee or runoff from their their to make sure that they're meeting that requirement. So if they put in these BMPs, they just assume that they're meeting that requirement. I know that they did some monitoring in the beginning, but I'm not sure that they're keeping up with those, the maintenance, the monitoring. So if I were to suggest some improvements for agriculture, that's where I would start. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know all the details about their monitoring. Um, however, from what I understand, um, I see some room for improvement there. Mm-hmm. But I see more room for improvement in our urbanization, how we're handling water um, on right. a watershed level. Yeah, I mean... I can see why a place like Orlando. I mean, there's a lot there's, of concrete. Uh, yeah, a lot of concrete. Right. Um, and I mean, it's a majestic place, but uh, a lot of concrete. A lot of um, lines. I, a lot of lines. <laughs> but that's that. That's I mean, as people are becoming, um, you know, a little, or are trying to care more about the environment too. That's the other important point is that there's a lot of people just jumping on some not terribly well-informed uh information out there poorly informed information i'm not sure that made a whole lot of sense but whatever but the the point is is that uh you know people will be you'll hear a lot of agriculture also gets targeted in strange ways there's all sorts of problems like they do like pesticides with bees isn't it so, like that could be like this huge issue that's another but, thing but there but there's but then there's like genetically modified stuff where it's just like well what do you mean genetic like that's not a thing that's right. not like a everything's genetically modified but you hear people having like these fears and like attaching You're to right. these like oh my god it must be this 
genetically modified stuff that's killing everything. And it is, and, and I mean, like, I'm, I'm talking out of my, uh, my ass a bit too right now because I mean, I, it's well, not like, yeah, it's such a it's broad so hard term. to be it's it, a, so uh, informed yes, about every little yes. aspect and, in life. Yeah, and genetically modified, it's such an umbrella term, just right. like cyanobacteria. So it's like, uh, some things, you know, if we didn't genetically modify, we wouldn't be able to feed the world. You know, we have these increasing populations. When but you have a kid, you've genetically modified right, yeah, 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 an, yeah, an organism. True. Today's rest from attention fatigue is brought to you by the Quip Electric Toothbrush. Go to getquip.com to find out all about the Quip Electric Toothbrush. It has changed my life. You know why? I don't need to think about it anymore. You go to the store, they're going to try to sell you a million different toothpastes. Most of, oh, whitening, I want whiter teeth. And then it has abrasives in it that can be harmful to your teeth and chemicals that don't work. You want to go to your dentist every six months is what you want to do. And you want to keep your mouth healthy using a Quip electric toothbrush, which monitors the amount of time that you're using it. It gives you feedback so you know when those two minutes that you're supposed to brush are up and you're brushing for that length of time and not longer. It's gentle on your gums. Some electric toothbrushes are too aggressive, too abrasive. And it also delivers refills to your door. That's the number one thing. No more thinking about it. I'm not marking my calendar. I'm not worrying about adding it to the grocery list and squeezing every last little bit of toothpaste out like a toothpaste junkie because I can't, I need one more hit of toothpaste because I keep on forgetting to get it at the store and, and not knowing the right brush to get and when and all that is over. It's delivered to your door every three months without you having to think about it any more. No more toothbrush decisions for the rest of your life. A little tongue scrubber, that's a new habit you can build. And I've been flossing more. They don't even have, haven't even mentioned flossing. This isn't part of the sales pitch, but I started flossing more because I'm like, well, I'm already taking better care of my teeth. Let's go all the way with it and build more of those good habits. This is the snowball effect of positive habits that can start happening in your life, starting with something as small as getting yourself a proper toothbrush, a Quip electric toothbrush. And, uh, you know, you can do all the research yourself. This is why it's been backed by 20,000 dental professionals. Quip starts at just $25 if you go to get Quip.com slash here we are. Right now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. Get your first refill pack at getquip.com slash here we are. But yeah, there was something I was going to say. Oh, yeah, when it comes to pesticides, I did do a couple studies with USGS looking mm. at pesticides and how they affect monarch reproduction. Um, oh. we're also, I'm actually working on a filter media to remove pesticides from surface water because traditionally everybody's been worried about the nutrients because of the cyanobacteria blooms. Mm -hmm. So, um, I wanted to remove the endocrine disruptors, the things that might cause reproductive issues in fish, coral reefs, um, so I just and okay, so these are this is like getting into the nerve system or something, right? So so it's crazy because right. if you if you really look at endocrine disruptors, if you go to a store and look at anything you buy, like lotion, face wash, look for something called parabens, methylparaben, butylparaben, um, etc. The the word paraben at the end. Mm -hmm. You realize that they're all over the place. This is going to be an episode people are going to have to listen to twice. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is kind of no, how my is, brain works, though. No, like, no, this is in a good way. But, I meant that in a good way. Yeah, and the thing is, all these parabens do is extend the shelf life of the product. So it saves them money while causing potential harm to, to the general public. Like, it's crazy to me that that that's okay yeah um but the thing is like once they well i don't want thing... my shampoo to expire on me though <laughs> 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 was that was that an issue that that solved anyway yeah, i get distracted probably, yeah you're right i mean <laughs> like there, there was that a big I, problem yeah, and you that... buy organic stuff and it goes bad so fast i mean it's all this balance you know um, but I don't think shampoo was going bad before that. No, I, don't I don't think so. Think they, they don't really use too many like, parabens in shampoo oh, either. Okay. It's like sulfates is the issue there. And it's Again, just, don't know. I don't have a clue yeah, what I'm talking well, about. Yeah, I know a little bit about <laughs> a lot of stuff. Um, 
But back to that, yes, so pesticides are also a problem. The reason why people aren't talking about pesticides right now is because pesticides would kill um, if pesticides, herbicides would, would, and the most common down there is atrazine. Um, it's an herbicide and it would more likely kill the, um, the algae bloom instead of mm-hmm. actually feed it. So that's why people are really focusing on, I don't know if they know that, but, <laughs> but I, 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 that's my, that's my assumption of why people are really focusing on the fertilizer instead of the insecticides. However, people are keep on saying pollution and toxins when, um, yes, pesticides, herbicides are, toxins but they're actually killing the bloom and the nutrients are anyway that's just kind of a personal pet well this is an interesting um time in human history or maybe every human always thought that in every period of time maybe they were all interesting maybe all of time has been interesting but what's different is is that there traditionally these big um kind of evolutionary changes and these um, equilibriums that uh, that uh, happen are some new species is introduced or something like that and it takes off and it and it kind of changes everything really r- r- rapidly but then it's uh, but then things kind of stay the same for a very very long time uh, which brings in, in us most to a red cases, tide actually which uh, but but now there's now you're talking about like uh, now now rather than like this predator and prey kind of situation we have uh like uh fertilizer versus insecticide and it's these uh, this interesting balance of of the these kind of this this man-made kind of um evolution that's happening and it's just so much faster and and so uh, I mean, it seems and too fast for, for research to even. Yeah, it seems like the stakes are too right. high. They are. Where, whereas they are. traditionally, evolution happens pretty slowly. I mean, even within a punctuated equilibrium, there's where there is rapid change. Like rapid change looks like a thousand years mm-hmm. or something like that. Where, where now we're talking about a couple years, something dramatic, maybe even less time, something very dramatic can and change in the ecosystem. Yep. And it's so crazy to think about how old the universe is and how, I don't know, how we're impacting Earth so quickly in the past mm-hmm. 20 years, you know, compared to, but... Yeah, so, so so algae blooms, I, right? So I red tide. Accidentally, uh, yes, you did. So you were talking about how how sometimes, um, you know, these ecosystems they they work and a new species is introduced. But mm-hmm. red tide, uh, the species is called Carinia brevis, and when they are in large numbers, uh, greater than ten thousand cells per liter, it's considered a bloom. Uh, they start offshore at the ocean bottom. Uh, that's the only scientific evidence at this point, at least. Um, and with currents and upwelling, that bloom is brought to the surface. With currents and winds, the the blooms can come closer to shore. Um, the reason why... Uh, can I ask yeah. you, what is algae doing? Like, what is the what is life of, of algae? I mean, what what is its life cycle and what is it... Why is it going from... Uh, so it's originating in the bottom of the shore. Why does algae end up rising to to the, the surface? The surface. What's, yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, I mean, I don't know where to start. Okay, so the reason why it goes to the surface is from upwelling. So those are currents uh, that take water from the bottom, bring it to the top due to temperature differentials. Oh, so it's not like the algae is not it's not a part of like the reproduction or something like that. This is just a byproduct of. This is well. They've been around forever. I mean, there are reports of of red tide blooms mm. since before you know. Anecdotally, since the 1500s, I'm talking about dead fish and red waters. Um, so they've been around since you know they right. would be here if humans were here or not. Right, right, right. I'm just saying, like the tide just washes the algae from the bottom to the top. Am I understand? I'm just trying to picture. Yeah. What's okay. So when you have temperature differentials in water, you have density differences so some of uh, the um 
the water tends to rise and fall, and that's called upwelling. When okay. that bottom water is taken to the top, this can also happen in a hurricane event, which I don't know if we'll get to because it's all um, hypothetical at this point. We're, tr- we're that's what that hurricane simulation in my in my office was for. Yeah, but I we'll, saw that. That was uh, my my first hurricane simulator that yeah. I've seen. I've been in a lot of labs. Oh, you have to my, go to my first one, University of Miami. I'm I'm, I'm heading there. Sick first. one. Oh, wow. you got to see I should, it. I should uh, try to reach out to them. Yeah. So I took my interns there before I had them build our mini one. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, so naturally occurring phenomena. However, if an existing bloom is close enough to shore to feed on surface water nutrients and outcompete other species for that nutrients, um, it may sustain a bloom or even exacerbate. Um, so at to what point we just don't know at this point we know that Karenia can utilize like 12 different forms of nutrients so it doesn't need that readily available surface water runoff nutrients however it can use it um, so that's where the controversy comes in so we had these Lake Okeechobee overflows causes cyanobacteria bloom and so we know that there are high amounts of nutrients in this water because we see the ecological response of this cyanobacteria bloom the the blue green algae um, you know, that water then then goes out to into the mouth of the Caloosahatchee where an existing red tide bloom was. So a lot of people didn't realize that that red tide bloom has been existing since October 2017. This is not unprecedented, however unique that this bloom has lasted this long. And in my in my opinion, and something that I'm working to prove is that um, the typical red tide bloom season, which used to be late summer till winter, um, with climate change, I believe it may be shifting. Um, and that was actually brought to my attention by a volunteer who was doing some analysis on uh, on records from NOAA, which was really interesting. Um, and then I went and did some research, found out the temperature, you know, and it turns out to, well, we can go into it another time. But the point being is that if this bloom season is shifting, it's shifting into rainy season. So if we are having those existing blooms, which on record one has happened pretty much every year since 1986 when NOAA started officially recording them. Um, What's NOAA, by the way? NOAA. Oh, North uh, American Oceanic and Atmospheric mm-hmm. Administration. Um, so, uh, and they they do a lot of the, the ocean stuff, mm-hmm. modeling and, and whatnot. I have a project with them right now, um, which I'll talk about later. Cool. It's a citizen it's science shout project. Out to Noah. That's right. Yeah, Noah's Noah's pretty awesome, and it's actually a NASA funded project, which is pretty cool. NASA Earth is good stuff. Um, oh, okay, what uh, I'm going to write this. Down. I don't want to forget to talk about this. What was? It? What are we going to talk about in a little bit here? Um, we're not going to get to everything today. I know. I, don't think. I know. I'm, uh, I'm going to write it down. It's There's fine. A, no, I, no, keep I'm going. Very, this is great. This is I take such a, a holistic conversation. approach at extending hum- humanity's existence on Earth. So. Awesome. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot though in a conversation. But yeah, so um so red tide, that's where this big controversy comes in. So we have this dual state of emergency from red tide that that is suddenly intensified along the coast. Now people are are saying oh Lake Okeechobee caused this red well it didn't because we know that that red tide bloom has been around since October 2017. In addition, that bloom intensified all along the coast. So it wasn't just that that incident of, of those overflows. It was the rainfall throughout Florida causing those surface water outputs to, to the coast of Florida um, and feeding that existing bloom that existed between Sarasota and, um, and Lee counties. So, I mean, it's just this, this, and if you look at the currents, it was pretty crazy because you look at the NOAA uh, currents and you saw the currents going from the north to the south and the currents from the south to the north and everything was meeting right at the mouth of the Caloosahatchee. Hmm. Um, so coincidentally, um, those currents were pushing those existing blooms that have been there all together in one location. You have that, that those overflows feeding that, that existing bloom with that nutrients. You have just a uh, devastation. 
This is the premise of a very scary movie. It is. It is. <laughs> and then, you know, when you put in the theory of uh, initiation of Saharan sands and then look at the Bible and see that red tide is, you know, the whole Egyptian end of days thing, you start <laughs> to get a little superstitious. <laughs> uh, what, what kind of sea monsters should we be bracing ourselves for? I know. For? I was <laughs> thinking about that. I was thinking them. more like um, like demonic, you know, oh, overtaking. Yeah? You think demons? I'm yeah. going sea monster. I know, I but I feel like sea monster uh, in my head. Is that too is like too Godzilla? Easy, you think? Is Godzilla? Yeah, yeah. kind of like yeah, a Godzilla yeah. sort of thing situation. Yeah, no, totally. Happening. But how would Godzilla get from Egypt to the Gulf of Mexico? I mean, oh, this just yeah. happens in the Gulf of Mexico. Boy, I haven't even worked out all the details right, yet. And then right. it's and then if it's screwing up its oxygen level with the right, algae right, right. Because we, we do to, have very low oxygen right now. In yeah, fact, it's not the best environment for a Godzilla. <laughs> Okay, I think we should change. <laughs> we should we were on. almost too much fun. We almost we almost enjoyed yeah. ourselves yep. too much. Yeah. We should really reel it in here. Right, right. <laughs> that's, in. that's what but I I wake up each day and I I look in the mirror and I'm like, "Shane, don't you have too much fun today?" That's yeah, what yeah, I tell myself. You got to yeah. keep an eye on it. Right. Um <laughs> Okay, I don't so have fun, so. so yeah, so yeah, have this. So you have uh, all of these algae blooms coming in together in this end times right. scenario. Scenario and then where what you do we see, see I mean, it has been devastating. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's so hard because we know this is doing doing shows here. I mean, this is oh my god, everyone. I I was completely oblivious. Like I said, right. don't watch. I I fly into town and and uh, and then like everyone's just talking. Every single right. and everyone's got an opinion. Everybody. And everyone. Everybody. Um. And the thing is, like, you know, we see all these fish kills and and then dolphin and sharks mm-hmm. for the first time. Sharks and, and you know like, sea turtles. I and mean, everybody loves sea turtles. Well, but, aren't there like blue whales or something like that? I have not Some, heard or, of no whale no, shark. You're thinking what's of whale the, shark? Oh, is it whale shark? Maybe yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, yeah. And but the crazy thing about red tide is that the toxin, when it's released, not only does it cause harm to aquatic life, but it can also aerosolize. So it can attach onto sea salt particles in the atmosphere. And with winds, move on shore, causing respiratory irritation mm-hmm. in healthy people. So coughing like an itch in the back of your throat. Um, but for I've th- seen some people wearing masks around. Yep, so, that's yeah. why. They're trying to filter out the, the particles in the air and hopefully filter out the toxin. Um, but for those with asthma or COPD, this can be very serious. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why our best defense up to this point, because it is a naturally occurring phenomenon, has been to alert the public of where these effects are so that they can make healthy decisions when going to the beach. So we have a few products. Um, when I first got here, my first role was to reinvent the beach conditions reporting system, which alerts people of beach conditions. I, I wanted people to go there whether there was a bloom or not so it has anything that you would want to know going to a beach crowds debris weather but also red tide effects of respiratory irritation and and dead fish we also have a smartphone app to fill in the blanks um in between and empower the public put the reporting in their hands uh csic it's both of them are apps downloadable from google play or itunes um, and this is helps get information out. And then, of course, we have our NASA-funded project that we're working on with NOAA and GQs that we train citizen scientists to go out to the water, take a sample, put it underneath a, micro, a cell phone microscope. Um, they open an app, and in the app, they upload a 30-second video with an algorithm that automatically calculates the concentration of red tide by its shape, size, and swimming pattern. Hmm. That information goes into a NOAA respiratory irritation model, so we have real-time respiratory respiratory irritation results. So something that used to take like a day to get the 16 samples uh, throughout Sarasota County now takes our volunteers five minutes. So it's it's pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, so that's really the emotional part for us is that seeing how people are affected, seeing all these animals come in. And, you know, a lot of scientists have hypothesized that that red tide serves a purpose. It resets the environment. But but to one, what point when we're potentially intensifying and, and causing these blooms to prolong duration. So it's um it's really yeah, difficult. I mean, 
asteroids are also natural, but I don't want one crashing right. down on, on right. all of us. Right. And you'll you'll notice after the bloom starts to dissipate, the water is is beautiful and clear and and that's when, you know, we get that break and see life come back as it should because red tide doesn't kill everything. You know, it shifts the phytoplankton community, but it doesn't wipe it out. Um so there's there's a lot of theories as to why these happen and if we did have the ability to to prevent them from happening, should we? If that would create other unforeseen problems that be just turtles everywhere jumping out and attacking people, turtles on top of turtles, turtles all the way down and up. Yeah, you're right. Maybe we'd have (laughs) Well, and all those tur- the turtle patrol, they would probably need something else to do Saturday mornings. I can yeah. probably find something for them. Um, but, but yeah, so, and I was going to say something else, and I don't remember what it was. Was it the Ninja Turtle reference that threw you? No, I think you so. Can't. I started okay. thinking about turtles with bandanas, again. and I was just like, you know what? <sighs> too much darn fun it's again. It's kind of fun to no, think so, about. So you're talking about how if you could like, magically... Right. Wave your magic oh, right. wand, you get rid of right. these blooms. Should you? Because there might be a domino effect right. of adverse. Makes sense. But and the the crazy thing is, people are like, "Why don't you have all the all the answers to all the questions?" Because we've been doing research on, on red tide. We are like the the leader in red tide research. They've been doing it since since the sixties. I mean, R- Dr. Richard Pierce here. He was the one that find out, found out how that toxin was aerosolized um, back in. 1974 or something mm-hmm. um but but yeah so so they're wondering why and and here's the reason because we're studying a microscopic organism in a huge body of water that acts completely different in a laboratory than it does in the natural environment and it's very hard to get every aspect of that life cycle when we're we're you know um limited by funding so right now our our monitoring is like we go on a boat, take samples uh, once every six weeks. So we're missing so much of a potential life cycle by mm. doing that, you know? Um, so that's... Well, one thing, this is as good a time as any. Let's, uh, let's uh, plug, what can people do? Especially, uh, I imagine there's going to be, you know, I've been, I've, been, uh, I've been telling people on shows each week that I was coming in to do a podcast here and people seemed excited to hear about it and so probably have some listeners here in sarasota and then and then nationally of course too and these are uh sorts of things that anyone should care about no matter where they live if if people uh so you guys need resources to do a better job to prevent this godzilla uh, we don't want Godzilla. Sort of. <laughs> we don't want Godzilla. No, we don't want Godzilla. So, uh, where can people send money to prevent Godzilla? Um, Moat.org <laughs> and and focus on the red <laughs> to the red side research. Sure. Um, also, you know, oh, I want- so you can go you go into the moat and yeah. there's like a specific thing for. Let's forget I even mentioned. Yeah, that I think because we I, don't you, know. Yeah, we, you can we, just contact Moat, and then they will. Yeah, yeah, the we'll communications department, and they'll they'll lead you into the yeah. that, the gifts direction. You're the researcher, yes. not the person. No, yeah. I'm not. I, and um, yeah, so it, as far as mitigation techniques, I should probably talk about what we're working on. Yeah. So we are working on ways to alleviate the effects of red tide blooms. Um, not only are we looking at wh- what their predators are and what their parasites might be, like the kryptonite for Crania brevis, but we're also looking at um, things like advanced water treatment, ozonation, and canal ways where people don't have the, the choice to leave, you know, because they live there, um, unlike the beach where you can just walk off. Um, and we're also looking at uh, using biological um, means to filter the water. So we know that that filter feeders like oysters, clams, mussels, etc., have been accumulating that toxin because we know that you can't eat them for a certain amount of time after a red tide bloom. So if they're accumulating them, they're taking the toxin out of the water. So my idea was to use these structures, put them out in the water and allow um, them to be colonized, allow things to attach onto them and filter out the water, promote um, this this life of potential Karenia filter feeding uh, habitat. However, um, and, and 
I think that they would work great for low, medium, and in the beginning of high concentrations. Um, but when we start to get to over 30 million cells per liter, um, not even the filter feeders can survive through that, which is why we have to go to something like like advanced water treatment, ozonation. Of course, we're not putting ozone into the water body. Um, we're taking water out of the canal, putting it through two contact chambers and back into the ocean. So, so no organisms are exposed to the toxin, toxic ozone. And this is a common practice that's done in water treatment plants. Hmm. Um, it basically kills everything, including the toxin. It dissociates the toxin and kills the cell. Hmm. Um, but, but everything else. So you can't just put ozone in the canal. That seems like uh, a large operation to pull that it up, is. to filter all of that water. It to... is. So we're not putting this in the Gulf of Mexico. It would never work. But in right. these small canal ways. Right. Um, so it's still... Yeah, they did it in Boca Grande. They tested it in Boca Grande a couple weeks ago, mm. and apparently the results were pretty good. The problem is that it's expensive to run, and you get tidal waters that continuously come back in. So it might alleviate some of those effects of the brevitoxin, and in the long-term neurological effects of, of brevitoxin, we don't know. Haven't It hasn't been studied long, so we just say that, you know, at, at this point, we don't know of any. Um, but... But now for the people, um, not to completely shift, but back to that side. I love now. a good shift. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, that's how my brain works. Yeah. Like I, speaking of canalways, when I went over to the Clusahatchee and broke into somebody's backyard. And by the way, I got some applause. I didn't realize anybody was home. I went to like one of the houses that weren't home. And I gave my, I was giving my speech about what we need to do to limit the amount of nutrients that go to our water bodies. And I just hear some clapping at the end. I was like, oh, what the heck? And it was a, it was one of the guys that lived there. And um, the, the crazy thing, the reason why I'm saying this is because I'm really um, concerned. Uh, when they've found the health effects of, of microcystin toxin from those cyano, uh, that harmful cyano strand um, to, to cause Parkinson's and ALS. Have you heard that? I mean, it was someone out of Miami that mm, did that no. research. Um, and the crazy thing is I went down to the Clusahatchee and I was experiencing respiratory irritation. I did, I took some samples, looked for Karenia, didn't find any Karenia. So I assumed that it was an offshore bloom that was blooming and that was, uh, the winds were onshore and I must've just been experiencing the respiratory irritation of a red tide bloom offshore. Well, I went inland and more inland, um, to these canal ways and it got worse and um, so I'm still I'm still in disbelief that that this toxin can possibly aerosolize from this freshwater bloom. Mm. Um, and I did take samples home, and I still open it up, experience. So I'm a little concerned about that. I'm not an expert in that whatsoever. There are papers about the microcystin aerosols. Um, I don't know what their travel distance is. I know it's substantially lower than that of bravitoxin from red tide. Um, but I am concerned uh, for public health in those people in the canals. And, and this is something that we actually have control of preventing. Um, and that's that's the really important part is that we can prevent that from happening. Um, sorry, why were you for breaking Siena. into people's backyards again? Oh, <laughs> Did because I miss because that all the canal ways people lived on. Uh -huh. There was no like public area for these small canals. And I and when I went out to the to the yacht club, even though under a microscope I saw some some <laughs> organisms that looked like microcystis. I'm just imagining you like jumping a fence or something. Yeah, like it was. That. I really expected to get in trouble when I saw yeah. the guy, but he was clapping. So, yes. uh, okay. win, right? Yeah, I guess. Uh, hey, honey, there's a. There's a lovely young woman who, <laughs> who's in her backyard taking over. samples. <laughs> but at this point, they've been, I mean, it's been a month now that they've been dealing with this. I think that they, like any help that that's even appears to be possible help, they're open to because it's huh. just been such um, such an adverse impact to their to their everyday lives. Hmm. What eats the algae? Uh, what? What eats the algae? That's a good question. So as far as red tide goes, um, we have, I know our phytoplankton ecology group has determined um, a couple of, of things that do 
that could potentially feed on Karenia. Um, he's in the process of confirming that. Mm. Um, but but as of right now, I mean, it's it's more uh, chemical, physical mm-hmm. than it is biological. Um, I, I mean, it is about the phytoplankton community um, and allowing that. But as far as predation, that's what he's he's looking into to see what kind of what kind of natural organism can we kind of you know boost to try right. to alleviate and and what kind of effects that would have if we did that um now with cyanobacteria i honestly don't know see we need some sort of like what we need to do is create a monster like some sort of godzilla thing of our own using genetically modified genetically (laughs) modified monster that loves this stuff that lives off of it and eats it course then those things will get out of control delicate well and the crazy thing is like five times a day at least i get phone calls or emails about people's ideas to solve red tide (laughs) solve red tide oh man every day every day do you record these no but i should because it's always the same so and and their intentions are good and they are correct bleach (laughs) will kill red tide oh my it will kill everything else too so you can't just go and put bleach or ozone or any other Toxic chemical. Oh, so helpful. I know. <laughs> Just a bunch of little yeah. helpers out there. It's, I know. Oh, and then even goodness. clay, even clay, you think that clay's harmless, you uh-huh. know, um, and it does flocculate the bloom, but it also brings down everything else and then, and then causes harm to the base of the ecosystem, the benthic or- organisms on the bottom. So, yeah, hmm. so it's, it's like, it's very difficult situation to, uh, to try to attack, but I'm always down for a challenge, you know? Well, now people are going to hear this, and now there's going to be this rash of like people breaking into people's backyards with gallons of bleach attached to their back. Like, I know. Trying to, uh, trying with like wearing a cape and, <laughs> and holding cape. gallons Wait, of You need bleach. a cape. You need a cape. Yeah, no, my superhero would never have a cape. By the way, I mean, it would get caught on things. I mean, yeah, it's just it's not practical. I don't really understand why it out. happened. I'm glad that you've spent at least as no much case. time thinking about well, what yeah. your superhero costume. Well, yeah, here's <laughs> the thing. Environmental engineers, right. they make sure that people have clean water, clean mm. air, and enough food. Like you literally, are yes, silent Captain superheroes. I, well, my actual name is Inspector Planet. On, on so, uh, it's like Captain Planet and Inspector Gadget combined on innovation. Twitter. Yes, and uh, Instagram. And on Instagram and Facebook. Inspector Planet. She's our hero. <laughs> but the idea is me. like no yeah. <laughs> 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 it's like innovation and sustainability together. you didn't even have to think about no, that I just, just i'm sorry no. it was just a reaction yeah i didn't even think first that was not oh nice. man well it's not the first time i've been rejected <laughs> <laughs> so um if if people so people they want to do good right they're calling in they want to save the day yeah what i mean what can people and we do do? appreciate innovation um honestly (laughs) help (laughs) help um you know uh, report on csic csic um any kind of effects that you have but but that app doesn't just allow you to report red tide it allows you to report report uh, cyanobacteria blooms odors from uh, potential wastewater overflows for example um, wildlife fatalities that tells us a lot about like this is my dream i want a mobile lab yeah. and i want to like go to these places where these environmental events happen because i want to know first before the media gets there and do some preliminary testing to find out what's really going on and the best way to to attack the situation well this is absolutely one of the very exciting things about human progress not that there's not many there's many many interesting wonderful things that humanity has done and continues to do but um uh the decentralization of information especially with the internet the the way that uh you know we we now don't have to get all of our information from the 
the the king or the the town wizard or whatever it might be <laughs> everyone can be involved in in getting apps taking pictures making reports and all of this uh, uh th- this is helping this is a way that helps you guys more than absolutely uh, more than you could do on on your own yeah as i said we're limited by funding and and manpower so the more data we have the more the more results that and more analysis that we can perform mm-hmm. um so we we got to start wrapping up i feel like i could talk to you all day this is wonderful conversation i I will. You absolutely have the opportunity to um, to uh, any closing words or any any little uh, wrap up any open loops that we may have left that I that I'm not remembering. I think we did a pretty nice job. Um, but also want to make sure get all the plugs in for Moat and any any projects that you have and reminder about the Instagram and Twitter and everything else that people can follow. Awesome. Yeah. So my. Instagram and Twitter is Inspector Planet. Um, Come on. <laughs> down to zero. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Um, yeah. So that, um, of course, Moat, if you're in, in Sarasota, please stop by, um, support our research. It, even if it's just a Facebook like, um, that's helpful. Um, we need all the support we can. We are nonprofit scientists. So every, the reason why I love working here is because every single person here, we're not here for the money. You know, if, if you're a remote scientist, you're here because you really want to make a difference in the world. And that's, that's what I think is amazing about this place is that there's so many people that just really want to do good. Um, but also, uh, you could see me on uh, season five of uh, Awesome Planet with Philippe Cousteau, and um, and yeah, and Animal Outtakes on ABC. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Inspector Planet, for joining us. Um, and uh, Tracy, if if people. Um, want to find you? Uh, is it at Inspector Planet? Yes, at Inspector Planet. No okay. spaces. I don't do the Instagram yeah. thing, oh, so you I don't should. know how it works. It's fun. It's for, I don't, I'm not a picture awesome. taker. Yeah, and I didn't think I was either, and then I realized that it's. What do I do? How do I do it? it? What are you Instagramming? What? What? Like, I go to your Instagram. Yeah. What do? I, what do I find? What do you? How does how does Instagram? Should I just look it up? Right so now? the cool thing about Instagram is that I mean the, me it has it. a Snapchat. Convert me. Um. Yes, I will convert you because it it has like a Snapchat tool, like where you can do an Instagram story, so you can take little videos. And um, for me, you know, I have Red Tide Research on there and my trip to um to the Subaru Telescope in mm-hmm. in Hawaii on there and um. And just different, uh, my internship, uh, I had like 12 interns this past summer. So, so our experiences and our projects that we, that we tried to tackle. Um, so it's, I really like the story aspect. Um, a lot of different hats being modeled too. If you guys are deciding what kind of hats you. Right, right. (laughs) I am big on snapbacks. I am. It got, uh, there's a helmet situation that happened. That's a helmet situation, right? That was the that was the Subaru telescope. Yeah, those are the the okay. nostril. The oxygen isn't very attractive, but you know. All right, and and you don't you don't uh, Instagram hasn't. This is what I'm worried about. I I have a I have poor self control issues. I'm worried I'll get on the Instagram. I'll start taking some pictures. And I'm just gonna be a slave to the to the Instagram. I'm gonna be snapping around all all day. I'm gonna everything you know, else in my life. You know why it's it's so much better than Twitter. You have to keep on keep on posting stuff. You know it's constant. Mm-hmm. Um, with Instagram, you could post once a week and huh? it's fine. All right. Yeah, like I'm. That's why I like it because I don't have that kind of time oh. to like be. And I, I was great with Twitter. Well, MythBusters, I was on the show MythBusters to search, and while that was on, I was, I was big on Twitter and really following up with it. Um, but it's, it's hard to keep up with. Um, whenever someone tags me or anything, you know, of course I write back. But to be constantly on there, it's kind of tough when you're doing both research and outreach and and everything else like I'm doing. Like Instagram's easy. Awesome. Yeah. Well, did I convince you? you? I maybe. 
I've been going back and forth. I've been talking with friends about deciding. You I don't, don't have know, a character limit kind of, either. I'm I'm phasing out of both Facebook and Twitter. Okay, so you're phasing out of social media in general. In general, yeah, that's and probably a good I idea. Felt healthier, right? Since right, that, that and screens. Time. Yeah, yep. trying yep. to keep away from them. Yeah. I just feel better. I try to do the same thing with candy, but, but I have like a ten. Oh, uh, it's been good. My energy levels and blah 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 or whatever. I mean, it's it, it might just be a placebo effect. I don't know, but I just feel I've been doing less sugar lately. I've been taking care of myself. It's been yeah. summertime. It's been yeah. good. Yeah, me too. Um, I have a giant bag of Jelly Bellies though in my in, oh right here. man, right yeah, here. I, like, I love Jelly Bellies. I love jelly and I like those gummy frogs. Those are my favorite. Gummy frogs? I'm yeah, they like have the, the Harbro, they have the marshmallow, and then the, you know. Mm, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, I know I just, some people aren't sorry, a fan. I just lost I'm just, a little bit of respect for you. Right, I'm, sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm going to stand by my decision. some jelly bellies. Right, that's supernatural. Take- natural. <laughs> uh, yeah, supernatural that when we weren't recording for so there's just not a bizarre reference. Right. I asked a TV show that Tracy is watching for sound check. Supernatural, everybody, check it out. Um or- <laughs> <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> I have I don't know what what is it like superpower stuff? It's like two brothers taking, you know, saving the world. Kind of like I do, except they're saving it from demons and I'm saving it from ourselves. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. fair enough. Same thing. Uh, it's like well, the story of my life. <laughs> well, well, thanks, Tracy, for saving <laughs> the kidding. world. I'm just kidding. I, no, I, I do believe that you are saving the world more than those part. two dudes chasing after demons because you're actually affecting some change. So I appreciate what you do. I'm sure the listener does as well. They're going to go and check out Moat. They're going to donate. They're going to get involved. And thank you, listeners, for being such wonderful, curious, fantastic people. Uh, you can always go to shanemoss.com to find out stand-up shows that I have coming up soon and uh, various TV projects coming out soon. And um, also go to patreon.com slash shanemoss where I started putting some new content up again recently. Uh, so that's something. Uh, special thanks to um, <laughs> it's I, I I'm going back and forth with the Patreon. You just heard me discuss the social media. I I can't I don't know. It's a tricky thing what to put time into. But I'm back trying in the Patreon again. So you can check it out if you want to. And then also um uh, make sure and rate the podcast if you if you enjoyed it. If you haven't had a chance to rate it on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever you're listening, that really helps me out. Uh, and it helps uh, bump it up so then they uh, they promote uh, then iTunes helps promote it because it has a higher rating and it's a cyclical effect of growing and understanding and learning and changing the world together so I appreciate all of you those of you that listen all the way to the end you are of course my favorites <laughs>